Hey. I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to this podcast doesn't exist. Jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle. It's almost Christmas time. <laughs> I still have a cold. Welcome. Oh, hi. We also have a very special friend. Hey. It's Alexis. <laughs> hi, guys. A special friend for Christmas. A special friend for Christmas. This is the episode that will come out the weekend of Christmas. Ooh. So a very Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everybody. There we go. <laughs> to everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Very well done. Well, I think I would really like to jump right in. Baseline housekeeping. Go to thispodcastdoesn'textexist.com. Dot com. You can find everything there. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. You can probably find it on our website. Christmas is a time for getting cozy by the fireplace. Christmas time is here. Yeah, she's like, I gotta get to the end. <laughs> if you're like Corey's family, you're lighting candles on the tree and waiting for Saint Nick to come shimmying down the chimney, clear of soot and singe. Yes, I wanted it to rhyme with shimmying. Oh. Chimney. Okay. It's got like a slant rhyme in there. Okay. That's good. All right, Lin Miranda. But not everyone is so lucky mm. as dear old Saint Nick. Uh oh. In. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. So I'm making faces. I that's love fine. Visual bits are great. I will preface this. This is a little bit ick. So sorry. That's fine. But just get ready. So in 1885, Matilda Rooney and her husband, Patrick, lived at their farm just outside of Seneca, Illinois. They were elderly and known to be heavy drinkers. And so much of the farm work was allocated to their adult son, John, and the farmhands. On Christmas Eve, 1885, Matilda and Patrick invited one of their farmhands, John Larson, to spend Christmas Eve with them and their son. He accepted, and the evening was spent in Christmas cheer and the characteristic Rooney alcohol consumption. He excused himself from the party around 8 p.m. to go upstairs and sleep in the spare room, and soon after, John Rooney went home and the house settled in for the night. 8 p.m. seems super early, but... He's a farmhand, so he probably woke up mm. at the butt crack of dawn. Right. That's fair. So this is like, you know, all well, right. You have to work the next day. It's dark outside. Time for bed. Time for, it is time for bed. Like, that's that's about the time that Corey kind of, like, starts to turn into a pumpkin. He'll deny yeah. it, but it's it's around 8. Because he also wakes up at the butt crack of dawn to go to work. Yeah. So it's like, we, we went out last night. We were out until, like, 11.30. And I don't understand how he was still awake. He was still, we were standing at a bar and he was like, so it's 1130. I think it's time to go to bed. And I was like, you still have to drive us home. <laughs> no, right now drive. in the parking lot asleep. Yeah. And I was like, I cannot drive. So it's all you. And he's like, that's all right. And we drove friends home. So I was like, okay, you get, he came home. We were like, I feel like it was his dad friend override, like kicking yeah, in. Absolutely. Like I'm supporting friends who are having a tough time. We're here to have fun. I don't need to sleep. Until he was. Like, yeah, and then oh, he's like, he's like I'm done. Yeah, he hits the pillow and he's like, oh, this is bedtime. <laughs> At some point in the night, Larson woke up for a moment because he couldn't breathe. He caught his breath again quickly, however, and drifted back to sleep. Same. Hmm? Yeah, you just wake up and your boobs are <laughs> suffocating you. <laughs> no! Because I have a cold. Oh. <laughs> I only run into the suffocation problem if I'm doing yoga. If they're oh, like, do the candle the pose. Candle and then the, what's it called when you like, 
fold your legs over when you're in candle pose? Like, oh, I have no clue. Melted candlestick. <laughs> That's what I think. Melted <laughs> candlestick. I think it's like plow or something. Oh, yes. You know where you're... It is. And then, yeah. But yeah. then I'm like... I like melted candlestick. <laughs> That's nope. fair. No. Nope. Apparently, in my imagination, the way that you sleep is by, like, doing bridge <laughs> in your bed. I don't know. I sleep, I like, thought it was so funny. white, You ma'am. sleep like the dead. Yeah, I'm just, like, in a coffin. Like, she truly... The, like, like this? Yeah. I've turned what? over, there, there, I think we've only slept in the same bed maybe, like, thrice. And thrice. <laughs> thrice. And it was terrifying for me, right. who sleeps like a starfish, yeah. to turn over and just see, <laughs> she's like a vampire. You're, like, waiting for her to wake. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Meanwhile, I get woken up in the middle of the night by, like, limbs and cuddling. Ask Corey about I'm it. Like, it I'm like, I'm not your boyfriend. Yeah. Elbow, elbow yeah. away it in was... the middle of the night. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to you. And I I'm say sorry boyfriend because you weren't married We weren't yet. married. You were not even affianced. No. Affianced. Affianced. Oh. No. But my, my, yeah, my preferred sleep method is uh, all Starfish. over the next person. No, so. absolutely not. So sorry. Only child problems. Yeah. I'm sharing a room <laughs> with someone, I'm like, you're breathing too loudly. <laughs> I just, need you to tone you, it down. Please this stop breathing. Breathing. Please Thank stop you. existing. <laughs> I need to sleep. She's, when explaining that to me, she has said, they need to stop breathing. <laughs> but now I pack your plugs. Which is good. Especially when I come over here, because... Penny when, snores. When like I sleep no over, I share with Penny, the Pennington monster, and she snores, and I love her, so I I pack your plugs. That's nice. It's a it's a very good tactic. Otherwise, you wouldn't yeah. sleep. Anyway, so, <laughs> he 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 was fine. Uh huh. The next morning, Christmas morning, Larson <laughs> woke to an acrid smell, mm-hmm. greasy <gasps> soot on his pillow and around the bed, and a haze in the air. Uh oh, which just sounds fire. Gross. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> Larson jumped up and rushed downstairs to find Patrick and Matilda. Instead, he found a figure on the floor of the couple's bedroom. <gasps> Patrick was dead on the ground. Oh, no. Fearing that if he stayed longer, he would asphyxiate, Larson ran out of the house to the neighbors to get help. He also ran to John Rooney's home nearby to alert him, and it was John who sent for the doctor. Larson couldn't say if he had seen Matilda. Because he ran out of the house so quickly. I mean, yeah, that's stressful. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. I'm I so sorry, know. but, like, I had to get out. Survival. Exactly. Well, there's a fire, and then there's a dead body, and you're like, that. Yeah, and while he didn't see the fire, he was like, there's tons of smoke in this house. Like, <laughs> I'm getting out. Something's happening. Yeah. The police quickly arrived at the Rooney home, but it took another day for Dr. Floyd Clendenin to arrive from the Port Huron, Michigan, to do an inquest. So the police and the firefighters figured out, like, you know, everything's safe, but they can't do anything with the bodies, because this is... In the 1880s. Bodies, plural. Good catch. Good catch, good catch. She's so good. <laughs> Dr. Clendenin printed his account of the tragic Christmas event in the Therapeutic Gazette in 1889, four years later. Dr. Clendenin stated that he also encountered the acrid smell when he entered the home and went to the bedroom that Larson claimed he had seen Patrick on the floor. The body was there, lying next to the bed, and it appeared that he had been asphyxiated, but the fire that had produced the smoke that killed him was in the next room over, the kitchen. In the middle of the kitchen was a large table, and on the table, a candle that had burned down on one side. Next to the table was a gaping hole burned through the floor in a three-foot circle. The police and doctor peered through the hole to the foundation and saw a pile 
of ash and bone. <gasps> they went through the process. <laughs> I love this. This is so good. It's like, it was a cute little echo too. <laughs> they went through the process of picking through this ash and bone and found a human skull, a cervical bone, some vertebrae, an ilium, and a portion of the right femur. The most shocking, however, was the discovery of two partially burned but recognizable feet in Matilda Rooney's shoes. Oh, what? On this basis, it was surmised that spontaneous human combustion had reduced 160-pound Matilda to 12 pounds of ash. The burning had produced the greasy soot that stuck to the walls and had killed Patrick. So she just, like, blew up? She just went... That would not be my first guess. Yeah, seriously. You know, like, not my not my first. What does she eat? (laughs) (laughs) Alexis is now in investigation mode. She's like, she was full of liquor. She was yeah. Just saying. Mm -hmm. But gross. Yeah, that's horrifying. Yep. Like after the fact to realize you were going through. Yep. Yeah. So while Matilda's story, being as old as it is, has some people doubtful about the possibility of spontaneous human combustion. Me. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we have some dubious, dubious Doubters. listeners here. There is a more modern story that just might change your mind. <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Alexis is like, I have no clue what's going on. I love this. Can we have Alexis for every episode? Yes! <laughs> she lives down the street. It's <laughs> great. We'll be like, hi girl, come over. Come on <laughs> over. In 1951, 67-year-old Mary Reeser was living alone in her apartment in St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh. She had moved from Pennsylvania after her husband's death to enjoy the southern climate and be closer to her son, Dr. Richard Reeser Jr. and his family. On July 1st, during a visit to his mother... He noted that she was exceptionally sad. She wasn't sure she would be able to travel north that summer for a vacation to visit friends and family in Pennsylvania um, and expressed this to her son. He kissed her goodnight around 9 p.m. with a promise to talk to her the next day. She told him she would take a couple of sleeping pills and probably enjoy a cigarette before bed. Uh Mm Uh-oh. Around 5 a.m., landlady Pansy Carpenter smelled smoke in the apartment complex, which she also lived in, but assumed when she went downstairs that the water pump over- was overheating in the garage. She turned it off and went back upstairs to bed. It was like a light smell of smoke. It was kind of like, you know, someone's burning wood a couple doors down. Okay. Weird. Hmm. Okay, maybe it's this. It's fine. It's like right. some something mechanical is happening. Yeah. Like somebody's old-ass hair dryer is exactly. running. Yeah. Oh, I hate that smell. But you know exactly what it is. But you're like, it's not dangerous. No. It's just pleasant. It's a gross smell. At 8 a.m. July 2nd, the doorbell rang. Pansy answered, and it was a Western Union telegram for Mrs. Reeser. The telegram was to tell her that there were solid plans to bring her up north for the summer. Oh. Yeah. But when Pansy went to Mary's door, the handle was too hot to touch. Concerned, and now connecting the dots with the smell of smoke the night before, Pansy rushed to call the fire department. When they arrived, the firefighters found the air in the apartment so stifling they almost couldn't stand it. They had burst in to find the home filled with soot and smoke, with some embers still hot. A pile of black ashes sat in the middle of the room. The firefighters found and felt evidence of an intense heat. 
Taper candles had been completely melted away, but the wicks stood straight up out of the wax. Plastic objects far from the fire had softened and lost their shape. Smoke stained the tops of the walls near the pile of ashes, and the heat had warped light switches, but low on the walls, it was clean, electrical outlets seemingly untouched by the heat. The sheets on her bed were still white, and a pile of newspapers on the ground were completely fine. The rest of the home didn't seem to have been touched by flame at all. In the ashes, police and firefighters found springs from the chair Mary had settled herself in for the last time, a backbone, a skull that had reportedly shrunk to the size of a cup, and Mary's left foot, still wearing a black silk slipper and completely intact. On July 7th, just a few days after the scene was found, St. Petersburg Police Chief J.R. Reichert decided to send a box of evidence to FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover in the hopes that their lab and expertise could provide an answer to Mary's demise. He included a section of carpet, the surviving shoe, not the foot, six small objects that could be teeth, and glass fragments that were found in the ashes. He included a note that said, quote, we request any information or theories that could explain how a human body could be so destroyed and the fire confined to such a small area and so little damage done to the structure of the building and the furniture in the room not even scorched or damaged by smoke. End quote. Hmm. What the heck? Yeah, there's a lot. It, it, it's a very, these are very weird cases. And they're also both, the Mary, Mary Reeser one is very well reported. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. this is 1951. Like, mm-hmm. this is, it, you know, mass media is a thing. In the 1880s, there's, like, one or two sources that I found that mention it. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, I, I did a paper on this in college. Sensationalism was a huge issue at that point in time when it came to publications. So the thought that someone could have either conflated stories or... Mixed things up, made things up, all of that. Well, and the doctor didn't publish for four years, right? Yeah. yeah. And the later reports that are solidified are, like, police reports. And things aren't, like, exactly how they seem to be unusual kind of apocryphal stories. So but take take them with a little bit of salt. I have two questions. Of course. Or thoughts. That's fine. Go ahead. One, I can't go get over the fact that her skull just, like, shrinky-dinked. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Pretty much. Shrinky-dinked. And then secondly, <laughs> based on your other Christmas fire episode. Oh, my the gosh. The Sodder children. Yeah. You talked a lot about how, like, the fire, in order for a fire, a fire to destroy bone. Right. It has to be super duper heckin' hot. Yes, it does. I, so, I will, I'll talk about that a okay. little bit later, too. Right. But it's a very, it, you're right. The the, the point so of that is interesting. So that's wild, like, to know that and then to hear that, like, not that many bones were left in either case. Yeah. But then, like, you know what I mean? You yeah. think, oh, if it was hot enough to destroy her bones, then the rest of the apartment should have been, like, yeah. gone. But, that but one no. one foot, though, that one foot made it. That one foot. It was the silk slipper. It was. <laughs> they should add it to their... She marked it. down, removed one, and then it happened. Yeah. Oh. You know, the other one. The other one kicked, got yeah. kicked off or something, and it was yeah. like, <laughs> the silk slipper is like still on, clinging to life. <laughs> All right, so what was the cause of these combustions? Yeah, what, what happened, yeah. Emma? Of course, it really could be spontaneous human combustion. The factors surrounding these instances make it seem that outside forces are unlikely. 
There are flammable portions of a body, including body fat and methane gas. <laughs> While other things can burn, these things can catch fire. Hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's scary. Good that? Yeah. I don't know why I just said it. Isn't it? Isn't <laughs> Isn't it? it? Isn't it? frightening? <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas to you, eh? Essex. Essex. Static electricity, stress, and therefore cortisol levels, obesity, and bacteria, along with alcohol consumption, could increase the flammability of the human body. What kind of bacteria? <laughs> I know, about? right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Other theories of why the body may combust on its own may lie in our cells. In the modern era, in, the, in a 2012 article from New Scientist magazine, biologist Brian J. Ford theorized that cases of spontaneous human combustion may occur when there is a large concentration of acetate in the body. Acetone buildup can occur with alcohol intake, variations in diet, and diabetes. So watch out, Shannon. <laughs> I'm, this is stressful. Hold on on a second. Catch me not near a fire ever. As a curvy diabetic who likes to drink. Oh my goodness. No. I, yeah, no, you'll be fine. You're okay. You're fine. I'm hash track stressed. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Three things always connect cases of combustion. Parts of the body are left intact, like both of these women had their feet left. A foot. A One. foot. <laughs> At least. Yeah. No noticeable source of the fire, and the surrounding area isolated to one space. So, like, the, the space of the fire isolated to one space and not spreading any further. The police and the doctor who investigated Matilda Rooney's death proposed that it was due to spontaneous human combustion, even at that point in time. Their theory was that the large amount of whiskey that Matilda had had the previous evening had raised the blood, alcohol, and gases in the body to an incendiary level that could cause the body itself to ignite. But the same can't be said of Mary Reeser. She didn't purportedly have any alcohol. I'd just like to interject that incendiary level sounds like a good name of a liquor. Mm. Or like a distillery. Like a a fireball whiskey. Yeah. Well, Cinnamon we'll whiskey. add it to our werewolf nice. whiskey yeah. branding. I feel like, okay, she drank a bunch of alcohol. Where was the acetone? Like, what? I like, think it's some chemical, something is happening within your body that the chemical get, like, expelled when you're processing alcohol that uh, produces acetone in your body, okay. according to this theory. Interesting. Science. Science. We don't know. I don't know. Chemistry. The human body. <laughs> Crypt Kings, please chime in. Our resident chemist. Yeah. He does he does actually know things. So he says. So he says. <laughs> she really wants to be a part of this. She also goes on for way too fucking long. Yeah, she's going on. She's like I'm not catching yeah, fire. <laughs> it's one of those it's supposed to be which I only realized later in life. That it makes as many sounds as it does, and it's not a, like, it's usually things are in fours or in, or in, like, eights or something, so it's, like, an even number. This is always odd in order to get you to go to it, because it's not technically finished, so you're, like, annoyed by it, so it makes you do 
huh. things. Like it makes you. That, that's also why like uh, fire alarms are the dissonant sound that they are. Like they're not supposed to be comfortable. Obviously, right, they're supposed yeah. to get you up and going. Supposed that's to. Smart. Emma likes to sleep through you them. You know, I in college the fire alarm went off. I stayed in. I stayed where I was. I was like, <laughs> I found out later if it's. <laughs> Find out if it's serious. Okay, if I become a pile of ashes, I guess it was real. <laughs> oh, Alexis, well. <laughs> 2013. Right. I don't know if I, I've slept through earthquakes. I don't know if I've ever slept through a fire alarm. In college, didn't you? Maybe. I don't remember. Or maybe much you prefaced it. You were like, make sure mm. that I wake. I know you slept through many a text message. Oh yeah. No, I don't. I don't wake up to that at all. I was a college tour guide. <laughs> At Sweetbriar, it's a very small school, uh, so uh, unless it was, like, an open house weekend, we wouldn't have, like, gr- large groups. So it would be, like, me <laughs> taking one family on a tour, which was really nice, because <laughs> you, you could, like, customize it, right? Like, if they were, like, a science person, you could oh, spend okay. a lot of time. If, like, they were a theater person, I'd be like, that's the science building. Cool. Let's go to the theater, what you really right. care about. But because of that, you would show your own room. And this was a Saturday morning. We were roommates. We were roommates. Okay. They were and they roommates. were roommates. And I had told her, like, the night before, yep. like, hey, tomorrow is, like, my... I was warned. My once a semester, I have to work a Saturday. Because, like, we would split it up through all the mm-hmm. tour guides. Right. So, like, this is what time I have to leave, just so you're awake and, like, could you make your bed? So I'm on my way. I'm like, all right, I... Confirming I do have a tour this morning. Because sometimes you would go and, like, if no tour was scheduled, they'd be like, you don't have to work. Or, like, do some admin work in the office. So I was like, okay, I do have a family. No response. (laughs) Texting. And this is, like, a pretty lengthy tour. Like, it's a small campus, but, like... This is, like, 9 a.m. This is, like, an hour and a half tour. Yeah. And usually we do the room at the end because it was, like, the dorms were close to the admissions building. So you'd, like, wrap it up. And, you know, we're getting to, like, pro throw, which is, like, two-thirds of the way through. It's the dining hall. I'm like, hey... We're at pro throw. Nothing. All right, we're crossing the quad. We're coming up. Here we come. And I told them, I'm like standing in the hallway <laughs> with this family, and I go, so I live in a quad. Um, the central section of the room is a double that I share with my best friend. I have told her you all are coming, but she hasn't responded. So give me just a second. <laughs> and I like open the door, and I'm like, Emma. She's like, uh, I was like, yeah, I woke up in terror. I was like, Emma, I need to bring them in. She's just like, okay, and like puts her glasses on and is just like sitting in bed, like sitting up cross legged, but like has her blanket and she's just like, hello. And I'm like, hi everyone, this is Emma. She's my roommate. She was warned that you were coming, but she didn't wake up. Oh, but you played it off. You were like, yeah. You're yeah. like, hey. I'm like, I'm an actress. You're like, I can, I can pretend to be awake. You're like, so I'm a grumpy in one of these rooms. <laughs> hey, I'm like, <laughs> so comfortable that you're never gonna wake up. You're never gonna wake up. We did have a cute that. room though. Like you had the little window. Yeah, we thing. did. That was a nice setup. So. In both cases, the fire had been extreme enough to reduce the women to ashes, but didn't spread through the whole home, and neither woman seemed to make any attempt to escape it. In Matilda's case, she was sitting at a wooden kitchen table on the wood floor, and the fire didn't catch on either, rather burning through almost directly underneath her seat all the way to the ground. For Mary, the chair she was sitting in had a synthetic material that would smolder for a long time if it caught fire, rather than go up in immediate flames. In this way, the fire was isolated as the chair was sitting in the middle of the room, away from all other items and furniture. 
Another difference was that while both cases left behind intact feet, one burned down while the other burned noticeably up. Matilda's floor was burned, but both feet were left, while Mary was survived by only one foot, but only the upper portion of her room showed evidence of flame. So, like, in the kitchen, there wasn't any flame, like, there wasn't any Mm -hmm. smoke on the ceiling. Descriptions of spontaneous human combustion are not confined to these two stories. Some date back to the 15th century, but with more recorded in the 19th and 20th centuries, coming out to roughly 200 recorded cases. The first was in the 1400s when an Italian man, after a night of drinking, went up in flames. Oh, what a night. <laughs> oh, what a night. Late December back in 1463. <laughs> Did it have something to do with how the alcohol was made? Well, that's a good question. I did not think about that. I did learn, I did learn last night. Cracks the case. Weirdly. (laughs) I did learn last night that there is something called Navy Strength Gin and Navy Strength Rum. My first guess was like, oh, so it's like super strong because these are like semen. (laughs) But Sorry. (laughs) I was stupid. Uh, But... The people we were with, she works at the Smithsonian. And mm. so she was like, actually, Navy strength as a phrase when it comes to alcohol meant that the alcohol content was high enough that it was flammable purely because if it got spilled on gunpowder, it would the gunpowder would still work. Oh. So not, you know, let's not drink on the boat. Not let's <laughs> right. let's not like, you know, maybe maybe that's not a good idea. No, it's guaranteed these men will spill their alcohol. Go ahead and spill it. It's yeah. okay. But it's the fine. Guns will still work. Exactly. So that's what it means to have navy strength. Huh. My huh. guess was going to be the other direction. That it's like like it, they make it lower so that even when they drink, they don't get a, drunk immediately on a navy vessel. That's They're it. Not yeah. Schweasty facey. Right. No, I mean that I I would. I think that was my first guess when she was talking about it. I was like, oh, that makes sense because they're, you know, they're military men. You don't want them twasty. But no. <laughs> no. Give them as much alcohol as possible. Okay. And let the, the gunpowder survive. Yeah. So, which I thought was hilarious. So this phenomenon was used as a plot device by Herman Melville, Nicolay Gogol, and famously, the author of A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. Mm. In Bleak House, an alcoholic and disgusting junker named Mr. Crook burns to ashes with, quote, a dark, greasy coating on the walls and ceiling, end quote. Dickens even defended his use of the phenomenon and its plausibility in the preface of later editions, citing cases and medical doctors who stated it was possible. Quote, (laughs) quote, I shall not abandon the facts until there shall have been a considerable spontaneous combustion of the testimony on which human occurrences are usually received. End quote. I have no clue what that means. I've looked at this sentence it's him being sassy. so many times. No. He's like, I'll give it up when the evidence spontaneously combusts because okay, it's thank not you. real. I could not for the life That's of me. That's a read. That is... <laughs> Charles Dickens is sassy. Ooh. Little Dicky. Oh, gosh. You're welcome. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the reality is that the phenomenon was usually paired with a moral perception in earlier centuries. Mm. Victims of SHC were often alcoholic, seen as obese, and were also mostly female. 
And therefore, the fiery deaths were almost like a smiting, retribution for debauchery and immorality. Newspapers reinforced this theory as an act of God, because after all, a body saturated with a flammable substance should then be flammable itself. Isn't that the worst? Like, of course. <sighs> Women. Just when we thought the patriarchy wasn't going to show up, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, uh, it sticks its foot all the way in the door and then just falls straight through. Yeah. Yeah. Another possibility, particularly in Matilda's case, was murder. Early on. <laughs> both of you. <laughs> I just love while you're reading me and Alexis, you making eye contact. We're like, we made the same faces. <laughs> oh, we love a visual bed on a audio. audio. Medium. <laughs> love it. Early on in the investigation, both John Larson and John Rooney were suspected of murdering the couple for money, either together or separately, by suffocating them and then burning Matilda's body to make it look like SHC. Hmm. Larson was cleared of foul play, however, with the outline in his bed, his evidence of sleeping through the events of the night. Oh. It feels loose, but okay. And John Rooney was later cleared as no evidence of an accelerant was found to cause the fire and no signs of injury beyond inhalation of fumes as the cause of Patrick's death, which also feel like they could have been the reasons why they didn't convict Larson. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, they, the, the police report was basically like, yeah, there's no evidence of anything starting this fire, right. which means that we can't prove that anyone started this fire. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> okay, no, but Larson woke up with soot on his pillow. Yeah. So that's what they yeah. mean by outline. Oh, Not like, so oh, he was in me. the blankets. I was, it's like, no, my, there's that was my brain. I was like, oh, you turn over and there's just an imprint of his head <laughs> in the pillow. That no. was where my brain went. But yes, you're right. It's <laughs> like, I thought that's because someone tried to strangle him, though. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, no, his face kept the pillow white because it was sitting around no, him. that is a very fair point. Obviously, when I was doing this research, I was just like, yep, face value, keep going, keep moving. I mean, also, I feel like your brain doesn't really want to think I, yeah, I definitely too didn't hard about too it because, like, the soot is it's oily because it's somebody's body that's burning. Gross. It also makes me think about, like, a cremation kiln, how greasy the inside Ooh, of that is. Emma. Sorry. It was where my brain went. You love a... I, apparently, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, two weeks after the incident, Larson died from lung damage, and his autopsy showed a buildup of the same soot and greasy residue in his lungs that Patrick had at his death. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Yeah, not Sorry, John. Sorry, Larson. Yeah. Which is really sad. Larson. No arson, though. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. All right, moving on. Uh, so, murder happened. It wasn't arson, and Mayor it wasn't Dare. Larson. Wow. When did the murder happen? It, it well, it didn't. Oh, okay. That gotcha. was the, gotcha. Yeah, it was. Gotcha. It, they initially thought, oh, well, right, this could be murder, but there Mayor was no Dare. real evidence okay, for got it. it. It's actually Mary Reeser's case that may give us some answer to what actually happened to both of these women. The box of evidence that the police chief sent to the FBI was looked at, and notably, they found fat in the carpet. Ew. Moving on. This, as well as the scorched fragments, led the FBI to report that Mary was a victim of the wick effect. This hypothesis suggests that an external flame source, such as the cigarette Mary said she'd enjoy before bed, would singe the victim's clothing, 
such as the rayon acetate nightgown Mary had worn. Yikes on bikes! Yeah, and split the skin beneath, releasing fat just below the surface. This fat is heated up by the clothing that acts as a wick with the body as the candle. Wow. Yeah, it's gross. The combustion can then continue for as long as there is fuel for the fire available. The body typically has enough stored fat and other chemical stores to completely incinerate itself. Protein in the body can also burn, but slower. And water in the body, which makes up about 70% of it, slows combustion even more. But as it slows, it allows for more time for the water to evaporate. In an enclosed area, the moisture will recondense on windows and walls. The reason both Mary and Matilda may have left behind their feet is because feet have the least amount of fat. Also why, if you ever get a foot tattoo, it hurts the most because it's mostly bone and skin. Mm-hmm. Hands as well are we have the least amount, like some of the least amount of fat in your body. But if they're resting on another portion of, their, of your body, they will burn up. The theory was supported at the time by Mary Reeser's daughter-in-law, Ernestine. In 1991, she told the St. Petersburg Times, quote, The cigarette dropped to her lap. Her fat was the fuel that kept her burning. The floor was cement and the chair was by itself. There was nothing around her to burn, end quote. With the likelihood that the sleeping pills she had taken on an empty stomach would, uh, had knocked her out mid-cigarette, Mary Reeser's death is more than likely due to this wick effect. But one thing stands out. Her skull. Yeah. Yeah, both of you were like, ah, shrink and dignification. (laughs) (laughs) Wilton M. Krogman, an anthropologist from the University of Pennsylvania, disagrees based purely on the fact that the skull should have exploded and instead was reportedly shrunk. And not in there's no face on the skull kind of shrunken look, like the size of a cup. Yeah. The almost complete cremation of the body left questions as well, as local funeral home directors were confused. They said it would require three or four hours with the temperatures of 2,500 to 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit to cremate a body entirely. Just for reference, the like normal temperature of a house fire is about 1,000 degrees. So that's a lot. In the cremation kiln, bodies are burned under extreme heat, but the bones mostly remain and are then processed to break them up so that families aren't receiving skeletons. Yeah, but the bones do not shrink under heat. If the body is under intense direct heat, like in Mary's case, the possibility that the fluids in her head would combust and explode the skull, or at the very least crack it, is more likely. Remember, the flames were headed up. So all of the the majority of the heat is at her head. In the end, both investigations declared that the women died due to unknown causes, as to this day, neither the wick effect or spontaneous human combustion can be proven as the reason they each lit up like a Christmas tree. So sorry. That was my one and only joke about that. So uh, what are our thoughts? How do we feel? I know this was ick. I'm sorry. But like, what are we thinking? How do I feel? Stressed. <laughs> She's like, I have diabetes. I, I'm going <laughs> to catch me going home and verifying the fabric breakdown of every single pair of pajamas I own. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it's like, it's required now well, that yeah. they have like a, a certain amount of cotton in them to keep them from Especially going. like little kids. Yeah. Because in the 80s, that was a huge thing where they were like, we're going to change the 
construction of these too much rayon polyester. Yeah, these children's pajamas, because the idea that they could go up in flames is very high. Well, luckily, I don't Just, smoke I ever. Say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I alone, like, going to sleep. Yeah. But right? don't take your sleeping pills and then start a cigarette. Uh, so. No. Yeah. Or start a fire of any kind. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Don't get a Galaxy, Samson, whatever, yeah. 7. Yeah, <laughs> whatever Galaxy one that was the one that exploded on a plane. Uh, stressful. Do you remember that? No. Oh, there was, a, so there was someone who had one of these new Samsungs, and, like, years ago. Yeah, uh, it was, like, when we were in college, I think. Yeah, and they brought it on a plane, because it's their phone, and it, like, combusted. <laughs> it was, like, Oh, boom. it wasn't just that one. It was, it was happening it was a with a bunch of them. They I, did I, a big I, recall I was going to say, they, because I think it was to do with the pressure mm. in the cabin, and then oh, it was just yeah. like, shoot, boom, like, oh, that's awful. like that's an egg scary. cracking. Well, and I remember there were a bunch of, well, not a bunch, but at least one um, story of like a, a guy who was died or like was seriously injured because his laptop overheated mm. on his bed. So I never mm. leave my lap. Like if I'm napping. You know, it's, it's you're mid paper. I mean, in college, like you're mid paper, yeah. and you're like, I just need a little. A little nap. It's like a treat. Yeah. You put it, I, w- I would put it on the floor because I was paranoid. Which is fair. Hope y'all get lit for Christmas. Mm. Not this kind of lit. Not this kind. Not this kind. Yeah, be kind. careful on your walks with your cousins. <laughs> I see you. I know you. Or I am walking with you. Or your brothers. Yeah. Liam. <laughs> the first lady, the, the first story, the girl where it went down, the fire yeah. went down. What was her, I guess we don't know. She didn't have a cigarette. She didn't have... So there was a candle on the table. And the thought is that she was trying to either light the candle or light a cigarette from the candle. And that's why it was burned down one side. It was burned on the side that the hole was. Mm -hmm. So it was like obvious that this is where the heat was. But in the same vein, it was a taper candle and it was burned basically in half or like melted in half Mm -hmm. but the rest of the candle was fine so the heat was only on that side Hmm. so which is that's the thing that i think i'm the most confused about when it comes to the wick effect is that nothing else is catching fire right even when it dies down enough that there are embers you would think Embers can last a very long time and can get other things caught on fire, which is why a lot of the time you can't leave a smoldering fire in your fireplace because it might actually relight itself. Right. Right. So that, it, I mean, maybe maybe it's like the fact that it has so much fuel in the body that it's not seeking out other. There's no reason for it to, like, it's seeking it out as it goes in. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, fueling itself so it's not expanding. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't know physics. Yeah, I'm a little confused about the actual like science behind it. Like the the paper that the guy wrote that was like, "This is the theory." Like, the chemical acetone is in your body, uh-huh. but it's just the amount of like the levels of it. Right. And yeah, it is a flammable chemical, but there are other flammable things on our bodies so it just feels like i don't i I don't feel that having more flammable things on your body would make you right flammable more so than the other flammable things on your body like we're covered in fat and skin and stuff so like that's the thing that burns the most yeah and is flammable like can catch fire so like 
But it's also one of those things like you can't test it. Right. Like Well they've tested <laughs> they've tested the wick effect on a pig. Which is the closest that they not not alive. No, like on a test. Like okay, Um, makes it slightly better. Which they do they do that a lot because actually human human skin and pig skin is very similar. So sorry, but they because the their body can react to the same kinds of like external stress like cutting into it or like that's how they've tested how murder weapons will like. Mm show up on skin they also use them on Grey's Anatomy yeah so like they like have them hooked up on life support and they're like interns save the pig we just stabbed it yeah I remember that and then yeah that's awful well I know I get it yeah uh, how you learn ethics this isn't what you come to the podcast for yeah (laughs) well and I mean the it's there's a lot that goes into animal ethics stuff so that's not our job not our job (laughs) no (laughs) But I think for me, the biggest thing is, like, when it comes to the wick effect, it is interesting. It has been provable as something that does happen. But I think, specifically in Matilda's case, no matter how true it might actually be, if that story can be true, it doesn't make sense to me that it can burn a hole in the floor without catching the rest of the floor on fire. Yeah. Uh. And if you're sitting at a table, like with Mary Reeser, a uh, chair which she was sitting in also was incinerated, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. So what is the, what, what, what was happening? Like the chair that she was sitting in, if she was sitting in one, went through the floor mm-hmm. in Matilda's case. So like, what about the other wooden things in her house? So that in and of itself confuses me as something that's like, oh, it's self-contained flame. Essentially, it's fueling itself. But it's also burning through things and not stay like not catching like it would with a usual house fire. Right. But mm. it's also producing enough smoke to asphyxiate people. Yeah. Right. So that's a lot. One either a very large fire, or one that lasts a very long time. Yeah. Can produce that amount of smoke right. that would asphyxiate anybody. Well, and it's wild because you have people who will like self-emulate right they like drop an accelerant on themselves and purposely set themselves Mm -hmm. on fire Mm -hmm. but they like they don't get reduced to that level of no exactly yeah i mean granted usually there are people around that are like trying to put them out but but like they die of like asphyxiation or like you know severe severe burns but yeah i guess most of the time they're doing that to like make a point in a public setting, not yeah, like doing it alone. If right. they're if they're doing it, what they're doing is they're putting accelerant on their body. They're not using their body as the accelerant. Right. right. But I just think like you think, oh, with yeah, the yeah, accelerant yeah. it's going to be hotter, it's gonna be It's gonna burn faster. Like a bet bigger Yeah. More burning fire. So it's just, yeah. it's wild. It's very, it, I think, honestly, that's the part that confuses me, especially since we do know how human bodies burn. Yeah. So. I just keep thinking of, like, the Looney Tunes cartoons. I feel like when you put, like, a, a dynamite and, like, the thing just, like, <laughs> I'm like, do they ingest Wiley. dynamite? <laughs> but then that wouldn't work because yeah. there'd be, like. It'd be, they'd be exploded. Yeah. On, like, incinerated. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Just the idea of your body being a candle. No, thank you. Gross. So, 
We usually do now first date questions. Oh, I have a question. Ooh. Did you have a question? I did not have a question. I was going to ask if anyone had yeah, a question. No, so I, feel I, free. I, well, since we've talked about bodies and remains and cremation and things, we already know what you want to do with your body. Alexis, if you haven't heard that story, you got to listen to the pod. I do. I need yeah. to hear um, that. It's a... Uh, Point of contention. She doesn't want me to talk about it again. <laughs> well, we it's just everybody knows the story by now. We can tell her at dinner. We'll tell her at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what you want done with your body? I want to be cremated. Okay. Mainly because I'm like, funerals are so expensive. I don't want to make whoever has to deal with that deal with that. Yeah. And, Classic and millennial like, answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, in this economy? A funeral? In this economy? I don't a financial burden in my death. <laughs> I know, right? So... But then, you know how people are like, oh, spread me over here. I'm like, I don't know where I want to be spread yet. All right. so, yeah. So Hopefully there's lots day. and lots and lots of time. Yeah. You can oh, yeah. oh, absolutely there is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Nailed it. Mm. That's fun. What about you? Yeah. Um, I don't think we've fully discussed what you I don't want on think, the pod. I don't think I've really decided. Other than You don't want to think about I it? I don't want to do. <laughs> like, I, I thought more about your lot. death plans than my own. <laughs> Just because you talk about it a lot, and I have strong feelings about it. That's fair. Um, even though I'm not, my opinion doesn't matter in this <laughs> case, but I I just insert myself. Hello. The likelihood of you being around when it happens is very low. I mean, I, I, well, unless no, I self-combust. Yeah, uh, or very high, I mean, because I will be going first. So, so she says. Well, I have to die first. I'm not allowed to die she after refuses. everybody. I don't want to be left alone. <laughs> Yes. I will leave you alone, apparently. I don't care about yeah, that. She's like, <laughs> she's like I'll leave Screw you. you. I'm out. Bye. Bye. Um, yeah, that's um yeah, no. I just I know <laughs> you get my books if I die. Yep, it's already, in my will. Already in your will. Um and anything you don't want goes to Sweetbriar. Mm-hmm. And I think other than that, I'm like, eh, if there's room, like bury me at Sweetbriar, I guess. See, what I imagine, God forbid. I have to be there. Please tell me, what are your plans for my death? <laughs> my plans are a Viking funeral. Where oh I, my god. <laughs> I, I put you in a boat, and then I hire an archer to fire a, a flaming arrow, and then you just go off into the, into the ocean. Uh, what about our friendship makes you think I would want that? Oh, Whoa. that's not why I'm doing it. <laughs> so once again, it's not about me, it's no. about her. She's like, I'm you're dead. The funeral. You're dead. I'm like, I'm like, I hate boats. I only like learning about <laughs> sunken she gets ones. You on one. It's the only way. No, I'll climb you up the. I'll climb you up Everest or hire somebody to climb. Yeah, you I'm up like, Everest. like, wait, what? I'm like, I'm like, bitch, you won't. I'll get Greg to climb you up Everest and leave you as a marker. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. Freeze you. Freeze oh you. You won't. You won't. De- you won't decay. It'll be beautiful forever. Great. Like, what's this granny doing here? <laughs> She's wearing like not climbing gear. What's happening? No. No. Those I feel like you total could, total jokes. No, you could you could turn me that. into some sort of like gem or something and Mouse. then like hammer me into the side of the mountain or we could... so I could be a marker oh, in that way. Oh, that's pretty. I like that. Yeah. That's really nice. She's like, I just don't want my body anywhere. I know. That's, mm, I have weird feelings about 
remains on Everest. No, I do too. Like, in some ways it's, like, honoring, but some ways it's, like, sad. And and, and half of it has to do with not being able to actually bring them yeah. down in order to give them a proper burial, because that's dangerous for the people who would yeah, be doing it. So Were you the one that sent me on TikTok? Nope, guess not. All right. I don't, I don't so know what you're talking about. So someone on TikTok <laughs> sent me a video of Scott Kelly was a guide. I oh, really I, hope that's his name. I did I did send that to you. Yeah. His daughter is a potter. Yeah. So Scott Kelly was uh, an expedition guide on Everest. And in 1996, there was this really terrible, like the worst disaster in Everest history to that point. Like 10 or some some large amount of people died in the span of like 48 hours. Mm. And her dad was one of them. And like, we don't know what happened. Like they haven't located his body. So there's like a monument to him at the at base camp where like climbers will leave things. So his daughter, who makes pottery, like went mm. with her fiance husband. Husband, it was for their um, honeymoon. Yeah, like went and hiked and like left a, because uh, it's tradition that the climbers will like take a shot with Scott. So Aww. she like made this little clay shot glass and like took a shot and like left it there. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. But like. Anyway, reading the comments, the point of this, reading the comments, she's, she has some mixed feelings. Like, apparently her family wasn't consulted. They made a movie called Everest about the disaster. Jake Gyllenhaal plays her dad. And apparently, like, they didn't reach out to the family. She and her brother basically had to, like, stalk Jake Gyllenhaal to get him to, like, talk to them. And at that point, he was really nice, but he was like, yeah, the script is already, like, I don't really have any influence on the script. So, like, they have mixed feelings about how their dad's portrayed and, like... Yeah. It's just so, one of those things as someone who's, like, fascinated with all these stories, it's like, oh, but also there are real people. You would think they would contact the family. Like, come on. At the on. very least. You would think. But Hollywood. That's well, gorgeous. and that was what? What year? Like, the, like, early 2000s? Yeah, like, 07, 09, maybe. I don't really remember. So, uh, late enough in our modern era to do due diligence. Yeah, like, come on take care of what you need to take care of and be like, hey, so we're making a movie about your family member, just so you know. At the very least, yeah, just like, so you know. Anything you'd like to share, yeah, anything. Right. Isn't that helpful yeah. Like yeah. in some capacity for you to understand who that person is? Yeah, just like all of a sudden seeing one day like a poster, you know, like yeah. what? Oh. And <laughs> of, of their tragic death. Yeah. Well, and I could, I could see why the filmmakers wouldn't want to, because in the movie... It's not that they paint him in a bad light, but, like, he's an expedition leader, and then there's, like, the other guy who's from New Zealand. Keira Knightley plays his wife. That's all I remember. Um, but, like, he's the main guy, and there's, yeah. like, so the Jake Gyllenhaal, Scott Kelly character is, like, the competitor, and, like, his company is made to look as, like, a little more cutting corners. Mm. They're just starting out, so they're trying to make a name for themselves, so they're, like, going to push harder and, like, take more risks. So I could see if, like, this is the direction we want to take to, like, create more tension in the movie. We don't mm. want to, like, talk to the loved ones because they're going to be, like, that ain't rude. <laughs> rude. Yeah. Anyway, as per usual, I've managed to, managed to bring up Mount Everest. <laughs> But it's Emma's fault this time. That is my fault. I So I will clarify. The reason I said those two is because I find them, like, silly in my brain as something, like, obviously I can't do that. Like, I, I don't I mean, think I ever you could. You probably could. I don't know. I don't, I don't think, like, emotionally I could. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would, I would need to. I've never to... thought about 
lighting your corpse on fire, so <laughs> See, I can't but that's why I'm respond. like, in my brain, I'm like, oh, that's like a, like a movie still that's like yeah. humorous in my brain. That's awful, I'm sure, in some capacity, but like... I just wonder like what the legality of that is, like... Oh, it, it's, it's, you're gonna have it's, to like take me into like the middle of the Atlantic Ocean because right. like no one's gonna let you do that off like. No, we have to be in international Maryland. waters, and then it's like suspicious. So it's like <laughs> you like come floating up. To exactly. The country, and they're like, and they're like, so we found a body. Hello, burned. <laughs> it's got like a note in like a fireproof box that's like my signed will that yeah. says like I wanted this. Yeah. <laughs> Emma's forged my signature. I was gonna say I forged it. Yeah. <laughs> She downloads my will off my Google Drive and like edits it. No, I'm gonna. <laughs> it out. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna um, make you into a vase as well, so we can be matching vases on either side of, of a beautiful mantle forever. We gotta go. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Alexis, so much Yay! for being here. Really appreciate it. Friendship for Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You're welcome. And now we're going to go have a lovely dinner cooked by the Corey. lovely Cory. Din din. Din din. Din din. Din din. Remember, this podcast doesn't exist. And spontaneous human combustion might not either, but. <laughs> Bye. Boom. <laughs> 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 we like. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> All three of us spontaneously combust. Oh, God. <laughs> Feel free to do that as, like, because I can't see you. I know. But it, okay. I'm trying, I'll, I tried to time it so you're Thank not you. talking. Appreciate it. Yeah. Friendship. <laughs> I, love, I love how quiet it is. It's so good. <laughs> just the quiet, like. It's going to be, like, really tiny. Friendship. <laughs> Except I can't add that in because it's a cough. It's going to sound so bad. Sorry. It's okay. It's so funny though.